2: LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD.
1: Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 388 of Linux in the Hamtrack. This is the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. And this is our Weekender edition. So thanks for tuning in to the Weekender. We will bring you lots of information about upcoming amateur radio contests and special events. We'll have open source events coming up near you or far away from you, but probably online. Thanks to COVID, we'll talk about distributions you can try, lots of things that you can play around with uh, as you enjoy the worlds of open source and amateur radio, and then we'll dive headlong into hedonism where we talk about food and drink and merriment and all the things that make life worth living so thanks for being here uh i'm your host russ k5tux
0: i'm cheryl w 5 moo
1: and i'm bill any4rd who are also hosts so not to uh Count them out in any way. That, that's not what I meant by that. But anyway, uh, as we normally do on the Weekender, we start with this weekend and, well, next weekend in amateur radio. And Bill will tell us about some of the upcoming contests you can participate in.
3: That's right. And of course, we get these contests over at contestcalendar.com. They don't sponsor us, but we like mentioning them because they have all the goodies. And all the contests quickly accessible and readily at your fingers. So this weekend we have the Bart G Riddy sprint and it's coming up, uh, 1200 Zulu to January 23rd to 1200 Zulu January 24th. Bands there are 80 meters through 10 meters, no work. And of course this is Riddy. This is actually a long sprint. It's a 12 hour or 24 hour sprint. Those are not really sprints. Those are contests. Anyway,
1: more like a marathon but yes (laughs) yes yeah
3: more like a marathon or a regular contest uh yeah multipliers for dxcc countries once regardless of band so that's uh, something to keep in mind so once you've worked the u.s you've just you've got the only multiplier you're going to get uh so on and so forth uh that works the same for all jas uh you know u.s uh australia and uh Canada stations, regardless of band. So uh, still a pretty fun contest if you want to kind of get your warble on. That's a good one to do. We also have the UKEIDX contest, and this one runs 1,200 Zulu January 23rd through 1,200 Zulu January 24th, so exactly the same time. It also runs 80 through 10 meter, no work, but this one is CW, so this is all your dits and dahs. And uh, the aim of this contest is to promote contacts between stations in the UK and Ireland and stations in the rest of the world, which are because, going to be considered DX. All UK and EI contesters, including those with modest stations and antennas, will experience the fun of being a multiplier in a worldwide contest. Because, you know, they're never on like CQ Worldwide or AORL DX contests. But anyway, uh, there are long periods in the 24 hours when DX stations cannot work UK EI stations because there is no propagation, so all entrants can work all other entrants uh, for QSO points and multipliers. However, a good score will only be achieved by working sufficient numbers of UK EI stations and UK EI district code multipliers. Adjudication is adjudication, sorry, <coughs> adjudication is automated, with log files being submitted online within 24 hours of the end of the contest. So you have to get those logs in right away. Uh, of course, the uh, link to that is in the show notes. There is no state QSO party challenge until February, so don't need to worry about that for this weekend. Next weekend we got a couple of big big contests. We got uh, the CQ160 meter contest and that runs from 2200 Zulu January 29th to 2200 Zulu uh, January 31st. Band there of course is top band, 160 meters. Mode is CW. And I thought uh, I thought this was interesting in the 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 rules for single operator assisted only. The use of one and only one remote receiver located within 100 kilometers of the main transmitter site is permitted, in addition to the receiver at the transmitter site. Web SDRs are okay, but must be located within the 100-kilometer limit. The rule is designed to accommodate new technology and for those who experience high noise levels at the transmitting site. Anyone found using a remote receiver outside of the limit will be subject to disqualification and you will get your fingers smacked by the ruler so uh, don't do that but uh, yeah this is kind of an interesting uh, part I, I i don't know if this is brand new but i haven't seen it before and i always kind of look through the rules every time i do these so uh, yeah this is kind of uh, kind of interesting cuz 160s you know, you could squeak a signal out, but, you know, there's a lot of noise on the band. And if you can find something a little quieter to listen to, it's, it's much more pleasant. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So this is interesting. So take a, take a, take a look at this. And if uh, this fits your, uh, your operating conditions, uh, this might be the, uh, particular class you want to try out if you, uh, can actually transmit on 160 meters. Uh, the other thing coming up, of course, is winter field day. And that runs from 1900 Zulu, January 30th to 1900 Zulu, January 31st. Uh, all bands here are all except for work and modes are any. So see rules for exceptions. And what is it? Winter Field Day Association, the WFDA, is dedicated to a group of amateur radio operators who believe that emergency communications in a winter environment is just as important as preparations and practice that is done each summer. Uh, but with some unique operational concerns. Heck, it could be snowing. So, yeah, it's totally different than summer. So get out there, have some fun with Winter Field Day. This contest has been running since 2007. It's 13 years old, uh, continues to grow with participation. And, uh, you know, you, you said you were possibly even participating in it. So get out there, have fun. Again, no state queso party challenges. Next week, following week, boom, we're in the money. We're going to see, I think, Vermont and minnesota (laughs) one other state i can't remember which one but uh yeah we'll talk about that in the next weekender
1: all right very good so moving on from contests we have amateur radio special events which are coming up the first one is kansas day uh this will be operating january 30th 1600 zulu to 2100 zulu out of edgerton kansas the call sign associated with this is kilo sierra zero kilo sierra yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, Santa Fe Trail Amateur Radio Club will be operating on 725, 10115, 14055, and 1425. On or about, depending on QRM and QRN. You know how that goes. The Kansas Day special event celebrates the day Kansas joined the Union, which was on January 29th, 1861. Kansas is known as the Sunflower State and has become the 34th state to be admitted into the Union. Uh, so because it happened on January 29th, they're operating on January 30th. So, (laughs) um, uh, but a link of course to that, uh, special event will be in the show notes. Uh, and we also have the groundhog day special event. So don't drive angry. And if you're going to be operating on the, you know, 6th of February from 0900 Zulu to 1500 Zulu, you might contact Kilo three hotel, whiskey, Juliet out of Sutani, Pennsylvania. Uh, they'll be operating all modes, all bands. I don't know if that includes digital. It doesn't say. Uh, but a link to the special event station and the club that's operating it will be in the show notes. And there's a certificate available for working K3HWJ while that special event is operational. And then finally, we have a commemoration of Howard E. Anthony, the founder of Heathkit. This will be operating February 7th, 1200 Zulu to 2359 Zulu, uh, Kilo Delta Two Foxtrot, Sierra, India. And they'll be operating on or about 3.9, 7.3, 14.3, and 21.3. A QSL card will be available. Uh, They'll operate as a special event station using a variety of vintage Heathkit gear to commemorate the life and legacy of Howard Anthony, the father of Heathkit brand of electronic kits. Starting in the morning with 75 meters single sideband, they'll work their way up to 40, 20, 15, and 10, and then back down again towards the evening. Additional information will be posted on their Facebook page as the event draws near, and the actual operating frequencies and modes in real time will be posted the day of. And they hope all amateur radio operators with any type of equipment, new or old, will join as they commemorate Mr. Anthony, the person responsible for starting Heathkit, the finest electronic kit company ever. And a link to the Facebook page and the original story will be in the show notes. So check that one out. And that's what I've got lined up for amateur radio special events. I don't have any announcements personally. So if anyone else has one, here's a good spot to put it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm, no, no. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Everything's canceled. So get over it. <laughs>
1: yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so, uh, for a Linux and the ham check ham radio challenge, I put in. Check out Dude Star, which is a project we mentioned based on a tweet that was forwarded to us from Coos, P-E-4-K-H. And we will be taking a look at this a little more in depth in future episodes. It's something we want to play with and check out. But if you want to get in on the ground floor and check out some digital radio without needing a radio, you might want to check out the Dude Star project. Just Google for it, uh, and you'll get to it before we talk about it. But, so if you want to wait, you know, we will be talking about it. And if you don't, just Google and give it a shot. It might be interesting to give it a shot. So with that, let's go ahead and move on to this weekend in open source. And we'll let Billy tell you about a distribution we have talked about before. It's a, if I remember correctly, a security oriented distribution. Yeah. Um, but go ahead and tell us about this new version of it.
3: Yeah, I heard a lot of people mentioning the various tools for uh, for uh security and stuff like that. And I kind of thought, oh, I wonder what Tails is doing. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about. Distro to Try this week is Tails 4.14. So it's definitely uh, several versions from the last time we talked about it. Uh, and just to remind you, Tails is a portable operating system that protects against surveillance and censorship. Tails uses the Tor network to protect your privacy online and help you avoid censorship. Enjoy the internet like it should be. Shut down the computer and start on on your Tails USB stick instead of starting on Windows, Mac, or Linux. Tails leaves no trace on the computer when shut down. Tails includes a selection of applications to work on sensitive documents and communicate securely. Everything in Tails is ready to use and has safe defaults in 2021. Hey, this year we want to focus on approving some of the very core features of tails, especially for censorship circumvention. And uh, that project's over uh, linked in the show notes and is uh, it's a pretty cool little system it has a nice little theme and everything else. So it looks, looks kind of sexy too, but if you're looking for some kind of uh, thumb drive, uh, uh driven uh, Linux system that you can just kind of use when you need to use a system, it, uh, it definitely uh, fits the bill because that's what this is really designed for. Uh, it's not designed to be persistent. Everything on there is pretty much wiped away. They do have a way of doing secure storage on the device as well. So if you need some long-term storage on your thumb drive, they have that option uh, to have an encrypted storage on there. But, uh, yeah, why not? It's, uh, it's Tails. Check it out.
1: All right. Very good. So if you're into security oriented distributions, Tails is one you can try. We've mentioned a few others in the past, but, uh, they're, they're out there if you want to feel secure and not worry about your data being compromised. Uh, but with that, we have come down to the open source events. And this is where we bring Cheryl back in to tell us about what open source events are coming up.
0: Okay, well, our first one is the Emerging Tech Fest, January 26th through the 28th, and it is based out of Wales. It's obviously online, and it is free. Uh, the information that they've provided about it says, During this virtual event, there will be endless opportunities to allow your business to continue being resilient. Listen and engage with huge range of keynote and panel sessions from influential thought leaders and innovators gain insights into leading edge technology, network with industry's most important decision makers, and be inspired by visionaries who are using emerging technology to make positive announcements across multiple sectors. This conference aims to leave you feeling inspired and full of knowledge on the opportunities available for your business using emerging technology. There's a wealth of support available and multiple communities working together unlocking the power of emerging technology. Join us to find out how your business can achieve the same. And there'll be more information in the show notes for that one. Our next one is the EU Open Source Policy Summit is on February 5th, is online, it is free. And the information provided says the EU Open Source Policy Summit 2021 aims to build bridges and encourage exchanges between the vast open source community and European policymakers. At this virtual event, we will hear representatives from many stakeholders working at the intersection of politics. Politics and technology. We look forward to convening this conversation at this critical juncture as discussions of open source move into a deeper understanding of the strategic role open source software and hardware will play in Europe's digital future. Again, more information will be in the show notes. Our next one is Open Source 101. It is February 24th and 25th, 2021. It is online and the cost is free. And there's a question mark beside that, which leads me to believe that you couldn't find anything that said it wasn't.
1: Yeah, they're still in the planning stages, so we'll assume it's free.
0: So, and the information about that is Open Source 101 is a conference designed to educate current technology professionals and technology students on topics foundational to open source, open tech, and open web. The event will feature sessions on major topics delivered by some of the top experts in the country. Attendees will include current technology professionals experienced using open source, those coming from a proprietary background and new to open source, as well as students from computer Science and other technology programs at universities and colleges throughout the region. Schools represented will be will include the University of Texas at Austin Department of Computer Science and many more. And there's more information in the show notes. And that's all we have for this week.
1: All right, very good. Thank you for that. And uh, the open source challenge is the same as the amateur radio challenge. Check out Dude Star because it's dudeful. And uh, so don't go too far. Even though, uh, I'm echoing back, but that's okay, because it's, it's back to you, and you're gonna tell us about as we slide into hedonism. Since he, I, we have a little bit of an echo here, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna pop the cork on this bottle, so hang on a second. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it'll be more impressive when I do this. We, we are getting into hedonism, by the way, and Cheryl starts this off with her recipe corner, but I gotta open my bottle so I can start nosing it. Did that work? It was impressive. Okay. So. <laughs> Needed to be a little more deeper in sound, but uh, it was okay. I, I, I didn't want to hit the mic. You know how that goes. So. All right, Cheryl, tell us about the recipe for this week.
0: All right. So my recipe for this week is slow cooker or crock pot bourbon chicken. Um, and who doesn't like a quick and easy dinner? Um, and you know, bourbon chicken is a favorite in this house, definitely. So, you know, just make it a little easier on yourself by throwing this in your slow cooker. And you need boneless, skinless chicken breasts or thighs. Thighs, of course, have a better taste. I'm not a big fan, so I use breasts. Cornstarch and some sliced green onions. Um, and that's for the chicken itself for the sauce you need some fresh grated ginger some garlic some crushed red chili flakes some apple juice some honey some brown sugar some ketchup some cider vinegar water bourbon soy sauce and salt and pepper and as everybody knows at this point we have plenty of bourbon in this house so um, it's quick and easy mix everything together in a bowl throw it on top of the chicken in your slow cooker and cook it on six to seven hours on low or three hours on high and you've got dinner. Just cook up some rice and you're all set. So, and my mixed drink corner this week is for a lemonade rum punch. And it requires lemonade, pineapple juice, coconut rum, and dark rum. Mix all the, uh, the lemonade, the pineapple juice, and the coconut rum together, the, the non-colored stuff. Um, put it in your glass and then float the dark rum on top so it will slowly work its way down the glass and give it kind of an ombre effect and that's it that's all i got so
1: oh that's good that didn't really give me an opportunity to to nose my my bourbons
0: (laughs) you should have hurried up so Uh,
1: i know i was trying to get the notes on it because i did not i did not pre-set up my notes with other people's uh concepts first i actually wanted to do this one myself uh so bill are, are you drinking something you can talk about for a second um
3: yeah, of course. <laughs> so I am drinking something you've reviewed in the past. And, of course, that is uh, Diplomatico rum, uh, just because it was on had uh, a really good price <laughs> at the uh, state liquor store. So, uh, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't turn it down. It was almost like I was buying it in another state. It was that good. Uh, so yeah, I'm using the, uh, let's see, the Diplomatico. I have the, uh, I'm going to find the right bottle. Uh, I believe it's the one we've talked about, the Reserva, right? Yeah. The Reserve Exclusiva. So, you know, it tastes good. So, this is a Diplomatico Reserva Exclusiva. It's a blend of exclusive rum reserves aged for up to 12 years. Carefully selected by our master blenders, marrying a unique body with excellent balance that has made this award-winning, a multi-award-winning rum a reference for connoisseurs and fine spirit lovers throughout the world. So, that's their party speak for the rum. Now, the nice part about this rum is... Is like, yeah, you can drink this neat and it, uh, it's great. It's one of the few rums <laughs> that I will just drink rum and nothing else. Um, there's, there's a couple others, but like it's a minimal, very small list when you look at all the rums that you can possibly buy. Uh, some of that stuff is so sweetened and god awful flavored that, uh <laughs> you need something to dilute it like coke or, you know, punch or something like that (laughs) so uh now this stuff is is excellent it's got a nice uh, sweetness to it it goes well i would say it goes well as like a dessert drink after dinner before dinner pretty much any (laughs) time i'm not too picky but i wouldn't mix it it's too good to mix like if you want to mix something by kraken or something like that uh captain morgan's crap whatever <laughs> morgan black or morgan 100 or whatever it is um that stuff mixes fine but this stuff i don't think i don't think it serves it justice to be mixed with anything
1: no i 100 percent agree with that it's it's like a it's like an aperitif or a, a dessert um yeah. alcohol a dessert spirit for sure maybe next time i'll i'll review um drambui that that might mm. be worth um worth reviewing because it's uh, kind of a unique drink and uh, i don't have you have you had drambuie
3: i i can't recall i probably have but i i know that i know the name but i, I don't
1: yeah it's I kind of it's kind of along the lines of that diplomatico rum but it's um it's a scotch blended with like herbs and spices and stuff it's really really good but it's it's again more like a dessert beverage so yeah uh might be worth taking a look at Drambuie, and it's it would actually be good for me because I haven't had Drambuie in a long time, and there's a bottle in there. I should have some.
3: <laughs> <laughs> good excuse, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: Okay, so while you were talking, I was able to get through my notes here. So let's take a look at Blanton's original single barrel bourbon, and I haven't done this one before. I think I think my original idea on why I hadn't do, done Blanton's and Eagle Rare and things like that. Is because they're hard to come by. Um, but unlike some of the other things I have in my collection, these are not impossible to come by. They're just difficult to come by. So, I mean, these are, these are certainly things you can get your hands on. You just have to kind of work at it a little bit. Uh, so, so with that in mind, let's go ahead and look at Blanton's. Uh, their description is taken from the center cut or middle section of the famous warehouse H. Blanton's original single barrel was once designated for ambassadors, dignitaries, and Colonel Blanton's family and friends. Today, everyone has access—well, everyone, <laughs> in a limited sense, uh, has access to the world's first single barrel bourbon. Blant—let's say everyone who's looking for it can find it, but you—you got to look for it. Uh, Blanton's original set the standard for single barrel bourbons in 1984. It's best served neat or on the rocks. I, you know, will strike on the rocks. I don't think any bourbon should be enjoyed on the bro- on the rocks. At least if you're going to drink it, you know, unless
3: it's in an old fashioned.
1: Well, right. If you if you're drinking it straight though, don't don't put ice in it. I mean, I I am sort of hesitant to say that because I know some people really enjoy their whiskey with ice. Um, but I don't know. I I I can't do it with ice. When, once it's cold. I don't enjoy it as much, but if you do, then, you know, you do you. <laughs> so anyway, uh, let's check out a little bit about some of the details on this. The The mash bill is Buffalo Trace's mash bill number two. These are highly garden, guarded secrets. No one really knows what the mash bills are. I mean, obviously someone does, but they're not talking. Uh, this is their high rye mash bill, so it's going to have some some rye character to it. The bottling proof is 46.5%, which is 93 proof. A little bit on the low side for how hard to find this is, but you know, whatever. Uh, it comes out of Frankfort, Kentucky, of course, cause it's Buffalo Trace. Uh, the color of it is a nice warm amber color. Uh, the nose has got some nice, uh, rye hot, you know, high rye complexity to it. I personally get caramel, vanilla, oak, a little bit of licorice, some lemon and some candied cherry. Uh, the taste on it's pretty good. The first thing that hit my tongue was butterscotch, then a little bit of the rye spice, some anise, uh, toasted oak, black cherry and raisins. Uh, these are the black raisins, not the white ones. Uh, and the finish was actually pretty nice for a high rye bourbon. Usually they are really dry to me, but this one's not so dry. It's, um, it lasts medium, maybe to sort of long. It's got a nice, uh, heavy oily mouthfeel to it, especially on the back end which is nice. That gives you some character. Uh, considering this is not terribly high proof, that's that's pretty good. Um, you also get some barrel spice and a hint of vanilla bean as it uh, sort of exits your taste buds. So overall, it's pretty good. Um, I will say for as hyped as it is, I don't find it as good as other people do, and I really don't appreciate its allocated nature because I think it's overpriced for what it is. Um, but it's certainly not, not terrible, not 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 terrible by one bottle, at least to say that you've had it. Um, it runs anywhere from 55 to $65 a bottle. So it's not like exorbitant or anything like that. Um, but I do think it's overpriced. I don't think it's as good as other things that cost less and are much more available. Um, but overall it's a pretty good whiskey, especially for a high rye blend. And I'm going to give it, I would think a rating that's on the low side of excellence. So let's call it a nice, even 90. So there you go. So if you can find it, give it a shot. Um, you might like it more than I do. Lots of people seem to like it a whole lot, but it's probably just because they're like, oh, I found it. <laughs> <laughs> uh But anyway, Uh this particular barrel or this particular bottle is uh, like another bottle that I bought. This was dumped on my birthday back in 2018. Uh They show a dump date on them. So, because each of these batches comes from a single barrel. Uh, so, it's kind of cool to have one that was dumped on my birthday. Well, I actually have two that were dumped on my birthday. So, uh, that is my review of Blanton's Original Single Barrel Bourbon. They do have other um, expressions, but if you want to talk about unicorns, the other expressions are unicorns. and In fact, most of them are only available overseas. So, this if you're going to find any of them, this is the one you're going to find. So, uh, with that, that's all I got. Oh, I did. I did find an interesting cocktail though. Um, we had we had people over, and they left a bunch of open stuff in the refrigerator. So I was trying to figure out what to do with it. Um, so I was trying to figure out what to do with Red Bull and orange juice, and uh, it turns out that if you mix Red Bull, orange juice, and vodka, you get a pretty tasty cocktail. <laughs>
3: so, <laughs> Aren't you supposed to do Jager bombs with that?
1: Uh, with with Red Bull, normally, yes, yeah. But, but I also had OJ. So I was like, well, how do we combine these things? And I found lots of recipes online for, for either regular vodka or orange vodka with orange juice and Red Bull. And it basically tastes like highly alcoholic, um, tang with a little bit of go-go juice. <laughs> so, <laughs> go-go juice. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not bad. It's not bad at all. But, uh, there you go. And, uh, Tony in the chat room says putting a small piece of ice in with a long pour. Um, if I'm going to chill it at all, I'm not going to use ice because I don't, I don't want to change the alcohol content. So I'll use a whiskey stone, uh, if you want it colder or chill uh, the bottle or chill the bottle. Yeah, absolutely. If you want to do something that, that makes it colder without actually changing the alcohol content because that can actually alter the taste. So if you want to alter the taste, you know, do whatever you want. Uh, with that said, I think we're down to the end of the show. So we should probably recognize the folks that were with us in the chat. And who are listening to us live, we had Ted, W-A-0-E-I-R, Tony, K-4-X-S-S, Chris, K-T-U-X, and Steve, K-7-H-V-T. So I want to thank everybody who tuned in live and uh, was here hanging out with us as we got through the weekender and told you about all the cool things to enjoy over the next couple of weeks. And with that, we hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll tune into the next one, episode number 389, which uh, you will hear very soon after this. And uh, with that, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. This has been episode number 388 of Linux in the Ham Shack. I'm Russ, K5TUX.
0: I'm Cheryl, W5MOO.
1: And I'm Bill, NE4RD73.
2: For listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. The live show is recorded every Monday night at 8pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at urlbctsinfo stroke LHS Live. Our website is located at LHSpodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page